new journeys and, and new challenges, they, t- they typ- typically make us focus on, on the negative, right? How many of y'all ever gone through some situation in your life, something new has come up that, I mean, whether it be a, a, a child that's fixing to get married or a new job or maybe it might be whatever it is, but we all get into this situation where it's like the new happens and we start focusing on what? The negative, on the challenging things, right? I just want you to know that as, as soon as I began to take this role on, uh, God just started, or I don't know if it was God, I started saying, well, you know, I'm not really that great of a speaker. I'm typically pretty shy. I really struggle to, uh, to get to meet people. And I mean, I start focusing on all the negative aspects of who I am. As, and, and God forbid people start looking at my, my history. How many of you know I'm not a perfect being? Amen. Uh, I didn't just come out of the womb serving the Lord and doing things all right all the time. You know, God had to bring me through a process of growth. And that came through a specific transition a specific transformation in my life. But for me, this new journey and these new challenges, I had to look at it from a God perspective and begin to pray. Like I said, praying usually is a pretty good idea. And God began to show me some things. And not only does this transition affect me and, and my family, but it affects every one of us together. Amen. We're all a part of this body. as we all a part of, of what's going on here in this church and in this, this city of Youngsville. Amen. Come on, it's just, I mean, the, the, the pastor, he's just the guy that stands up here. And my job is just to simply try to encourage the brethren and try to train the, the, train the brethren for the work of the ministry, right? We're all the ministers of First Assembly. We're all the ministers of Christ. We're all going through this journey together. But God brought me some comfort one day. This is about two weeks ago. And uh, typically, uh, before service, I'm turning lights on, I'm turning, unlocking doors, I'm doing all kinds of little things, uh, just making sure things are ready. And I was, as I was walking from those doors, I was walking behind the sound booth, and this was Pastor Tommy had just got up here, and he began to preach. And uh, ha- have y'all ever experienced this, this divine notion that God just implants a specific word in your heart? This, I mean, sometimes, because it's just, I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm like walking over to the sound booth, and I'm just, man, I've got to make sure the sound's sounding okay, and doing all these things. And by the way, Weston, the sound sounded awesome today. Thank you so much. Appreciate you doing that every Sunday. But uh, as I was walking in there, and, and God said, hey, Joe, don't worry about it. Just, you need to know that this is a traditional church. And I mean, like, okay. That's, so, you know, I mean, from, a, from a, my understanding of traditional, from my perspective of traditional, how many of you realize that this isn't what I would cons- have considered to be a traditional church? Right? So I'm like, God, uh, that doesn't necessarily make sense. But many times God sells us something like that simply to get our attention. So that way we can pay attention. And then he says, well, let me clarify something for you, Joe, just a little bit. And he, he began to speak some things to me that were very specific. And they helped to relieve some of the anxiety that I was, might have been able to feel, right? As you take on this new role, and, you know, many of you were here last week, and, you know, Pastor, if y'all didn't watch the video on YouTube, I want to encourage you, or on the, go to our Facebook page, you can watch that transition video. There's this one specific part that I probably uh, am going to struggle to talk about without getting emotional. There's this one specific part where, where, that, where uh, Pastor Scott has Pastor Tommy by that, by that mantle, right? Y'all remember that? He's just holding, he's, I'm fixing to take this thing off of you. You know, this is coming off. You know, he's like, made sure he understood that this is coming off, you know. And as he did that, I mean, you can see in the video, Pastor Tommy almost floats off the ground, right? And then and I'm sitting here just, I mean, I'm just doing everything I can to maintain my composure. And, uh, and he turns around and he says, okay, here it is. You know, here it is. 
those types of moments have a tendency to bring on anxiety. They have a tendency to bring on stress. But I'm here to say that, that God began to speak words in order to relieve that stress. He began to bring words to, to relieve the anxiety. As I just give that stuff to him, right? As a matter of fact, it says in Ephesians 5.19, he says, Be not drunk with wine, right? Is, is what he says. He says, but be what? But be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, God began to show me something specific. He said, this is a traditional church, not in the sense of tradition that you understand it. Not in worldly tradition, but in godly tradition. That the things that God began to establish, even from the foundations of the world, he began to do in this church. All the way back from 1952, uh, uh, Brother Fred, he's, he's not here today, but he was there those, th- that, those times, and God began to do things in this city that began to transform this city. Amen? He began to do things in this, in this parish that began to transform this parish. Why? Because we are a traditional church. Not in the sense of worldly tradition, but a sense of godly tradition. The words that God spoke to me, said after he said that, he said, Joe, it's okay. He said, he said just breathe. Right? Just breathe. How many of you have, have ever been in a situation, as a matter of fact, we can even do it now, just just take a deep breath in, deep breath out, deep breath in, deep breath out. I'm actually feeling better already, you know. Just take a breath. Joe, just breathe. You know, many times when people are going through stressful situations, that's some of the best advice you can give them is just to breathe. You know, every morning, or not every morning, I'm not going to say that, but this morning I went up and went jogging in my neighborhood. I've been trying to to just develop some, uh, some patterns or some, some things in my life to, to just help enhance my, uh, my spiritual growth, right? Uh, making sure my body is healthy, making sure my soul is healthy helps my spirit to grow and to flourish. So I go, I go jogging in my neighborhood, and, and if you've ever jogged for any more than five minutes, you realize that you get to a point where you have to just say, okay, I'm just going to start focusing on my breathing, right? Just focusing on my breathing. If I'm focusing on my knees hurting, I'm going to stop. If I focus on what am I doing, I mean, well, I could be watching TV. I mean, they got meshes, donuts right down the road. They got all these things. You're going to stop. You just got to focus on your breathing. And you see, that's, that's kind of like the mission of the church. That's the, that is the traditions of this church. I want to take you just quickly as we go into John uh, chapter 20. If you have your Bible, go ahead and and turn there with me. John chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 21 through 23. He says, So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You see, that the, the act that Jesus did right there at that moment is very specific and it's very intentional. It says that Jesus breathed on them. How many of you recognize that that's somewhat of a strange occurrence, right? I mean, some of the things that Jesus did as he began to heal the sick, he would spit and make mud in his hand and put it in people's eyes, right? He, w- he would do things that sometimes seemed strange to the natural man. So if I just walked up to someone and said, just blew, breathed on them, right? Hopefully, having used a breath mint at that, but right before that, not had a cup of coffee or something. 
uh, garlic or anything like that. But Jesus breathed on them as a very intentional, specific act. Then he did at this specific moment. You see, what had just happened here, as we get ready, as we're, we're kind of getting into this season of, of, of Easter, of our, the Resurrection Sunday. As a matter of fact, I just want you to encourage you, as we talk about this, just to keep, you know, we have the crosswalk, and as a matter of fact, we have the cross right here as we're preparing for crosswalk. That's going to be this Saturday. I want to encourage you to come on out and participate in that. 9 a.m., we're going to meet there at Foster Park. If you need more information on that, just, just feel free to uh, ask somebody that looks like they've been here for a while, right? Ask somebody that looks like they've been here for a while. Hopefully those people are smiling. But, but Jesus, he breathed on them. See, it was an intentional act. Jesus was coming right after this. He had been crucified on the cross. He was in the grave in the tomb for three days. He was resurrected. And at this point in time, he went and he met his disciples again. And Jesus is, is showing them. He's showing them the scars in their hands. He's showing them uh, in, in his hands. He's showing them the, the, the scar in his side. He's, he's doing all these things. And it says, and he knows that he's fixing to have to leave. And he's fixing to have to, to go away. Right? Y'all, y'all know the story. And then Jesus, he looks at him and intentionally breathes on him. And he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus made a promise before all this. He said, I have to go away, but there's one coming, right, who's, that can, is greater than me. That's, that's, I have to go because it's going to be beneficial for you that I go away. Jesus breathed on him. I believe that that act was intentional in a sense that You see, Jesus was trying to connect his actions with the actions of his Father. He was, because if we look in John chapter 5, verse 19, and Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he sees the Father do, the Son does also in like manner. You see, Jesus breathed on the disciples as a specific act. He's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. At this time, he breathed on them because he wanted to continue the traditions and do the things that his father did before him. He said that I'm not, what, the things that I'm doing, I'm not just making this stuff up. Right? I'm doing things intentionally. Breathing isn't necessarily some very great spiritual thing. All of us do it all the time. In fact, we do it without even thinking about it. Breathing is one of those things that we just happen to do just kind of comes naturally for most of us. You see, Jesus in his ministry was constantly reminding the disciples that it's, well, the things that you see me doing, keep in mind that I'm not just doing this stuff on my own accord. I'm doing these things because I saw my father doing them. And it worked for him and I'm going to continue doing it. I'm following in the traditions that God has established even before the foundations of the world. You know, in fact, if you think about breathing, that as, as David sings and, and as we even talk, and I'm talking right now, you know, breathing is the fundamental act of speech, right? If you can't pass breath past your vocal cords, right, then nothing happens. There's no breath, you know, that's what I said. So I can talk like that, but if there's no breath, there's no, there's no sound, Right? You see, as Jesus, he began to speak those things, it said that he breathed, receive the Holy Spirit, as he breathed on them. 
And as that, as that breath that came out of his mouth went past his vocal cords, and it began to set certain vibrations, that those words fell on their, ear, on their ears, and then life was reborn in those disciples that day. You know, the truth is that the disciples knew who Jesus was. It says that, I mean, think about this. They had already seen the resurrection of Jesus. They saw Jesus crucified on a cross. They saw him be buried in a tomb for three days. They saw him, they went back to the tomb, the, 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 the the stone was rolled away and Jesus was not in there. The fact that, that, they did, that they may not have known who Jesus was is just irrelevant. They knew who Jesus was. They're like, this guy is not normal. But Jesus is telling me, he says, listen, I, I know I'm back. But I, I'm going away because I have a mission and a purpose for you. That same mission and purpose that I got from my father, I'm going to give that to you. I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. You see, on that day... That there's something changed within those disciples. I love listening to testimonies about people that, that grow up and having a knowledge of Jesus. That they, they knew the things of church. As a matter of fact, I myself grew up in church. I grew up in church. You see, it wasn't the act of knowledge that set me free. If it was just knowledge that would set us free... Jesus wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been necessary for Jesus to come at all. You see, knowledge isn't enough. We can know, and we can, we can read, we can get the knowledge, we can get the fellowship, but there's something fundamental that has to happen that's very specific to Jesus' mission that happened 2,000 years ago that connects to us today when Jesus breathed on those disciples. You see, that word there for breathe in the Greek is symphizo, symphizio, right? Symphizio. And interestingly enough, that, that word is not found anywhere else in the New Testament. It's a very, very specific word that they use there. And in fact, whenever the original Greek translators of the Old Testament, they translated, they translated the, the Hebrew into the Septuagint, they use that same exact word in, in the Old Testament, in the Greek translation of it, emphysio. As we look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we see that. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see, in that time of creation, you had, you had God, he goes down and he forms man out of the dust of the earth. Out of the very thing that he created, he takes and he makes man. And man, at that point in time, was no different than the rest of his creation. It was the same as everything else. There wasn't anything specifically uh, powerful about man until God said, you know what, I created man in my image and in my likeness. And I have an understanding that I need to put a part of me inside of man that they can carry on the things that I would have them to do. At that point, God goes down onto earth and he begins to breathe the breath of life into the nostrils of man. And at that point, man became a living being. The world, the earth was changed. It's not just emotion. How many of you realize that us as created beings have the ability to change and do things that's, that's totally outside of the realms of just nature? 
As we, I mean, we're, we're all creative beings. We're created in the image and the likeness of God. Even in a fallen state, man was able to build a, a tower of Babel that went all the way up on, almost into the heavens. Why? Because God breathed life into humanity. God breathed power into humans. Because he created us in his image and in his likeness. And as most of you know that, that there in that garden where Adam and Eve were, and they fell from grace, and they fell and they took and they, they decided to walk away from the promises of God. They believed a lie and walked away from God. And at that point, sin entered the world. Sin entered every single human being that was born from the time of Adam until the time of us now. That we are born into a curse. And through that process, every single year, we, the, the, the humans, the Jews, they would have to go and they'd have to make atonement in the temple and they'd have to offer sacrifices and they'd have to do all these specific rituals and these things like that that they had to do just in order to make peace with God year after year after year, moment after moment after moment. There was always this constant dread, this constant worry in their hearts that no matter what they did, it wasn't ever going to really reach their full potential. That they had to continue to, to offer sacrifices. Nothing's ever good enough. And it's in this world that Jesus walked into. We struggle to understand that here today, honestly. Because we, we are in a dispensation of grace. We're in a world where Jesus has came and he brought salvation to the world. It says it in John 3.16. He came not into this world to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation to all of humanity. You see, I believe that when Jesus breathed life into those disciples, his intentional act was he's saying, I'm connecting this moment, I'm connecting this moment that I'm here with you with that moment that was there in the very, very, very beginning that God breathed life into the nostrils of man. And through that, when sin came in, there was a separation. But through Christ, you see, we have this ability not to be, to be born of water, but now we're born Again, when Jesus breathed onto them, they breathed in new life, new promise, new purpose, a new hope. You see, this is a traditional church. This is a traditional church. You know, in fact, in 1 Peter one twenty three, you just write that down if you want to reference it later. Peter's talking about Having, having been born again, right? This whole concept of being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, this one man being Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life of through the one, Jesus Christ. You see, through that, through that act that God, when he breathed life into Adam, Adam, he sinned against God. And in that, we're born into that sin. 
But as Jesus, he, he breathed that life into the disciples and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. How many of you recognize that at that moment in time, man was born again? Not born of corruptible seed, not born of the flesh, but he's born of the Spirit. Amen. That he's born with a new purpose. He's born with a new hope. He's born with a new vision. That, he's, that man now, he's cre- recreated in the image of God. That no longer do we have to walk around this earth Wondering about how are we going to make atonement with God? How are we going to be right with God? We don't have to carry the sin anymore. We don't have to carry that shame anymore. Now we can walk in the fullness of our purpose, recognizing that we've born, been born again through the Spirit of God as Jesus breathed life into those disciples. And then, but what does he say? Jesus says this in, in, in John 21. He says, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, What does he say? I also send you. I also send you. You know, in that we have the mission and purpose of the church. That this is a traditional church in the sense that that God breathed life into Adam. That Jesus breathed life into the disciples. And that same life that Jesus breathed into each and every one of our lives. That it's our responsibility to breathe life into this city. To breathe life into our schools. To breathe life into our families. To breathe life into our relationships. To breathe life in our jobs. You see, the thing is, is that we no longer carry death and sin and shame. But we are the carriers of the presence of the living God. Come on, that's good news. But we're traditional church, not in the sense of worldly tradition. But it's the sense of godly tradition. You see, at that moment, when God began to breathe life into those, into those disciples, right? We've, we've established that our vocabulary, our, our, the words that come out of our, our mouths are established by the breath. I mean, there's some elements in there that help us out. Tongues and teeth, the top palate, right? diaphragm and all these things but it's the actual breath that comes through our 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 throats past our our vocal cords that creates sound and we can begin to shape that sound to say the things that we want to say and i believe on that day and listen i i've already established and i'll i'll warn you now that i had a this message at first was just gonna i was just man god started speaking to me he starts just downloading things into me. But this is going to be a, a two-part series. Because the truth is, is that, that there's, a, there's a huge tradition that's going on. That as God breathed into man, and as God breathed into man a second time, the breath of life, he said, receive the Holy Spirit, and through that we receive salvation. And next week we're going to continue that conversation as, as the Holy Spirit breathed into the church. And then we begin to see our true purpose, our true calling, the true empowerment that we have through the Holy Spirit as this church carries that tradition on. You see, that day I believe that, that there's, a, there's an element of being born again, that, that, that we have new breath in our lungs. That I mean, I, I've even, you know, this, this may be kind of high theology and a little bit edgy. So, I mean, don't take this as like, this is the fact, this is what, you know, the pastor says this is the fact, right? But there's a certain element that when we're born again, as we die to our old self, I believe for that split second in time that we actually die in our bodies. 
And at that moment, the, the Holy Spirit comes within us and we're literally born again. Now, it happens so fast that you don't even notice it. Well, you notice it. I've heard testimonies that of, of, of when people and experienced it myself that, that I have a knowledge of God, but there came this moment in time when all of a sudden, the things that I thought I knew, I didn't know. The things that I didn't know, now I know. And my life has never been the same again. I, I, the, the very way that I process things is, is different now. I'm transformed. I'm renewed. It's not perfect, but at least I'm on the right path. You see, the, the, as, as I think that even after we're saved, like that breath, this new breath, that our, our, it's not necessarily that our, our dialect changes, although there's an element of that, right? In salvation, you know, there's, there's freedom. But we're going to talk next week about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Right now, we're just talking about salvation. And in the baptism of, 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 of the Holy Spirit, there is an element of, of our dialect changes. But here, the nature of our words begin to change. The things that come out of us no more are doubt. The things that come out of us are no more lack, right? Those words, as that, as that new breath comes out of our mouths, no longer speak, speak death. But they begin to speak life and truth and peace and faith and hope and love. And kindness. And in fact, self-control. Patience. You see, that's the tradition that this church is built upon. That's the tradition that this church is built upon. It's, it's built upon the, the tradition of, of the breath of God. The breath of God. Yeah, there's the works of God. There's the... There's the kindness of God. There's all those things. But as we, as we surrender ourselves to the traditions of God and we say that, Lord, it's no longer I who live, but what? It's Christ who lives in me. We have the ability to affect a community. We have the ability to fulfill our purpose in this life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is, a, is, a new, is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I believe that on that day that, that, that Jesus, he breathed into those disciples, they became new. They became new. Even Peter, he's the greatest example. I love, I love picking on Peter. Uh, if you, not the, any Peters in here, although I do enjoy picking on the Peters in here. I don't love it specifically. But Peter in the Bible, he, he's just a great example of this happening. And we can see it happening in in the Bible, right? Peter, before, when he was just walking with... Now, this is Peter walking with Jesus every single day for three years or so. I mean, think about that. There's no better sense of presence than actually being in somebody's presence, right? I mean, like, you're actually there. He can see him, laid down. This was every day of currents. Jesus and Peter were together. And on that, that, that faithful day when, when Jesus is being carried away to a, to a sinner's cross, and they and they they come into Peter and they say, "Weren't weren't you with? Isn't this? Weren't you one of his disciples?" And he denies three times who he is and who Jesus is. You see, after the resurrection, even even before the day of Pentecost, Peter was a transformed man. I believe because because Jesus being raised again from the dead. Being perfected, having completed the work of redemption. 
that Jesus breathed new life into Peter on that day. And Peter was able to be patient because then he said, you know, don't just go run out. You got to wait just for a little while. He said, just wait for the promise of the Father. We talked about all this. Remember, Peter? He's like, yeah, I remember. I remember. He said, well, then wait on it. Okay, wait on the promise. But know that you're saved. Know that you have new breath in your lungs. The good news is, is that we have that same ability. That as, as, as the same way that, that Jesus breathed life into the disciples. The disciples begin to go out and do what? And to breathe life into their surrounding area. And the world has never been the same again. You know, there's many of us that go through life every day trying to intellectualize how we're going to overcome certain situations and problems, right? I mean, there is an element of wisdom that's involved in in everyday life. But the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. So we need to even, even in our wisdom, begin to, to recognize that that although this seems like the perfectly right thing to do, if it's not the will of the Father, it's not going to work. And we need to surrender ourselves to that, to that will of God, to that breath of God in every single thing that we do. You see, the, the baptism of the Spirit, this, this what we're talking about, isn't just simply what we're going to say here from in the church. On Wednesday nights, we started a study. I want to encourage everybody to come to it. Uh, started last week, and if we get a tremendous amount more people, we'll do last week again. It was so much fun, I'll do it again. But we're talking about the Spirit-empowered life. The Spirit-empowered life. You see, as, as born-again belie- believers, we don't have to live in that old lifestyle any longer. I'm here to set, tell you that you can live a new life through Jesus Christ. That when you're born again, you're really born again. You're really, really born again. It's not just a clever saying that Jesus made up in, in, in John chapter uh, 3. He, you're really born again. When he breathed that breath of life, they're born again. Their, their mindset's changed. Their purpose has changed. That this church, as we, as we begin to carry that purpose, and as we begin to carry those traditions that God set forth from the very beginning of, of time, that we can begin to breathe life outside the four walls of this church. In our schools. How many of you realize that we need the breath of God breathed into our schools? Man. It's, it's almost sad. As I mean, if, if any of you have watched the news for any length of time, it's, it, I, and I, I'm, I have to repent before the Lord right now. That's like you hear about a school shooting. It's like, oh, another school shooting? Let me see what's on ESPN. It's, it's like, it, we've become so, evil is so rampant in this world that we've become desensitized to it. Lord, forgive us. Help us to give us the courage, the strength, Lord, breathe life into us so we can breathe life into our schools. And I believe that we do that. We have a, several ministry programs in this church that we're going to continue to do. Why? Because they're effective. And we believe that, that, that we're breathing life in the traditions of God into those schools, into our businesses, into wherever it is that we go, into our workplaces, into our government. Speak life. We had talked about in the, uh, in the crosswalk, we have the, the bulletin here that we usually post on the side of the truck. And we carry signs around, and all these signs are posted on, on, you know, sticks, and we have crosses and all those things. And those signs say specific things, right? We love our city. You know, we pray for our children. We love Youngsville. 
Lord, bless our mayor. It says, you know, bless our schools, bless our students. Those are the types of things we say. Why? Because we believe as a church that it's our responsibility to breathe life into a city, to declare truth, and to prophesy the the truth of God to a city, to a fallen and broken world. Next week, we're going to talk about that, speaking life into the dry bones in dry places. Come on, that's our calling. Maybe I should have just preached it today. Man, come on, Jesus. You know, we don't have signs that say, uh, well, we don't have signs that says, God hates sin, right? Our cities are corrupted. Our government officials are, are evil. That's not what they say, is it, right? Because the truth of God, right, transcends the realities of man. Think about that. The truth of God is the truth of God beyond whatever reality we might think we live in. And as we begin to declare the things of God to our cities, God can begin to bring change uh, that we could never even do ourselves, that, could, that the church could never do. That's what Jesus was doing that day. He breathed on them. Why? He says, be born again. Receive the Holy Spirit that I promised you. You know, the Bible in more ways talks about that our bodies are what? A tabernacle, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That if we're born again, that, that, that the Spirit of God comes and begins to dwell within us. That Jesus even said in, in the, the woman on the well, at the well, he says that, that you, know, you can go get water, but the water I'm going to give you is, is everlasting, right? He said, I'll put a spring, I'll put a, I'll put a well within you that bursts forth with everlasting life. That's what I believe that Jesus was doing. He was, these are things that were foreshadowing the promise of Jesus' resurrection and then his ascension. That Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit. So it's just to, to recap some points. You have to forgive me. This is like, I've, uh, I mean, I've preached before. But it's like I'm, I'm realizing I'm like the whole spitting aspect of preaching, you know. It's like, wow, this is really true. It's just, there's a saying that people used to say it was uh, uh, that, that people sit in the front, like some about, anyway, the anointing and stuff. I don't know. There's nothing, there's nothing anointed about preacher spit. I'm going to tell you right now. It's just a, it's a myth. Golly. I can get sidetracked pretty easy. But just to reiterate the points that Jesus breathed life into his disciples. He breathed, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I I make it a point every time I go to do any ministry anywhere, including today, and I want to encourage you to do the same. And listen, when I say you're going to do ministry, that can be just a conversation with your neighbor. Right? Right? That can be a, and it doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm going to go talk to my neighbor because he, you know, he keeps cutting my grass, so we're going to go, I'm going to go try to get him saved so he can quit cutting my grass. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. But just in in everyday life, we can be led by the Spirit of God if we submit to that Spirit's calling in our lives. I believe that that everything that we do has, has the ability to be intentional. That God can begin to speak to us about certain individuals. And he can put us in places that we need to be to transform somebody's life. Jesus breathed life. He breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples. He says, I I mean, he says it right here. 
He says, I'm doing what I see my father do. He says, just the same way my father sent me, I'm sending you. He was talking to the disciples, but through them, he was talking to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. That we carry this tradition of breathing life. That tradition that was passed on from God to man, from Jesus to the disciples, from his disciples to to us. That we fall into that lineage, that heritage of the church, that traditions of the church, of speaking life. Jesus sent us. And in that, we're born again. And when we're born again, we receive new life. And in that, we receive new purpose. We receive new purpose as we let the Holy Spirit of God become to dwell within us. You know, I believe that each and every one of us have kind of a dual purpose in life. I, I, I've been asked this question. I've got challenged. You know, when you say things... Sometimes, and I appreciate when people challenge some of the things I say uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, is because sometimes I say stuff I don't even really realize that I said it. And it's, you know, they're like, hey, Joe, you said this. I'm like, oh, well, okay, that was pretty good, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but sometimes we say things without really thinking about what we're saying. And I used to tell guys uh, many times, I say, man, God's got a purpose for your life. Until somebody came up to me and says, hey, man, what's my purpose? Oh, Okay. So I, I begin to study and research and begin to ask God, God, you've got to help me here. What is the purpose? Because I've got to give this guy an answer. I've got a week to do it. And God says, well, actually, Joe, you give, I have, everybody has two purposes in life. It's a dual purpose. We have an individual mandate that God gives us. He tells us uh, at individuals that we're, all, that we're all called to know him and to make him known. That's our individual mandate. Is we, we're all called to be evangelists. That we're all called to, to worship and we're all called to evangelize as individuals. That every one of us, as we're baptized with that Holy Spirit, that in our everyday walks of life, have the ability to share the love of Jesus with our neighbors. That's what J- Jesus said is the greatest commandments of all. Love God with all your heart, to know Him, and to love your neighbor as yourself, to make Him known. That's our individual purpose. And then we have a corporate purpose, is how we fit into the body of Christ. And that may look different for most of us. The way it's kind of going right now, I'm... You know, my purpose may be is for the, to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But what is that work of the ministry? It may be uh, serving in our food pantry. It may be serving on our worship team. It may be serving in our children's, with our children. How many of you realize that, that the, the, the men and women, mostly women, that, that serve and work in our children's ministry have a high calling? They have a high calling. They're, they're te- I mean, I'm telling you, if, if you're working with kids, and it's like all the way up to junior high, man... I'm praying for you. Because because we need that we need change in our communities. We need change in our young people. But that may be your calling. I want to, my job is to give you the tools that you need to equip you and encourage you. I'm the CEO, right? The chief encouragement officer. That's my job is to encourage the brethren for the work of the ministry. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. So our, our individual purpose to know him, make him known, our corporate purpose it looks different for everybody. But ultimately, it's to go into all nations, making disciples of men, right? Healing the sick, casting out demons. That's the work of the church. That's the work that we're called to do. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the evils of this age. 
that there's darkness that we're wrestling against. We've got a mission to accomplish. We can't do it without, that, without first receiving the Holy Spirit. Third point is our mission is to continue that tradition by breathing the Holy Spirit into our communities. Our mission is to continue that tradition that Jesus... I mean, think of, I mean, of all the things that Jesus did, this is one specific thing that he did. I mean, it's very specific. God breathed. Jesus breathed. We breathe. Just breathe. We complicate things. How many of you realize in our own traditions, we can make things pretty complicated? But at the end of the day, our job is simple. Breathe life. Just breathe. Take a breath. Let it out. In fact, it should be just that easy. We don't have to make it more difficult than what it is. It's amazing what just a simple word of encouragement can do for someone. Or just maybe even not even a word, just to shut our mouths and actually just listen to someone share their heart with us. I believe that this church is filled with people who have energy. It's filled with people that have vision. And over these next several months, I want to spend a lot of time listening to what God is speaking to each and every one of you. Why? Because I came to this realization here a while back, but most of you know the story of Joseph in the Bible, right? The prince of dreams, or what, you know, Joseph. Well, when God really started doing things in Joseph's life was when he quit talking about his own dreams and he started helping fulfill the dreams of others. So as we just come to a close today, I just want to give you this opportunity that I believe that there's many of you here that God's begin to speak things to. That God's begin to show, give you visions of the future. That God's begin to say, to stir up within you the things of God. He's begin to stir up purpose. He's begin to stir up a heart for greater things in this community.